you have questions about Connecticut personal injury law, then you've found your podcast. Connecticut personal injury attorney Ryan McKean keeps it real. Straight talk. Live from Glastonbury, Connecticut. This is Ryan McKean. Hi, it's Connecticut personal injury attorney Ryan McKean here. And today I'm here with Connor Green from Greenlight Sports. And what we're going to talk about is getting back to activity after you suffer an injury. So good morning, Connor. Good morning. How are you, Ryan? I'm doing well. Connor, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background specifically as it relates to personal training? Absolutely. So uh, my name's Connor Green. I'm the owner of Greenlight Sports Performance. Uh, we've been around for almost a year now, but I've been in the field of, you know, personal training, sports performance, uh, for almost about 10 years now. Uh, the, the reason that I, you know, I got into this field is, you know, I was a former athlete. I, you know, I was a cross country runner and I continued to, you know, pursue that at the collegiate level. And then as well, I now coach that at the high school level, but I always knew that being active and, you know, helping others kind of progress and, and build activity into their lifestyle was something that I wanted to do. Uh, so I, I earned a uh, associate's degree in exercise science, a bachelor's degree in exercise science, and then I have a, a master's degree in education in uh, coaching education and athlete development. So, you know, I kind of have a, a, a full a full round approach to how, how I'm building things. You know, we started at a very foundational level and build things up, which for personal training and working with, you know, a wide array of populations, it, it really helps, uh, you know, so it's been it's been great. So kind of one of the one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about today is, you know, oftentimes we've got clients who are active. Um, maybe they like to run, maybe they like to cycle, maybe they like to weight lift, or maybe, you know, they just like to go to the park, walk their dog, um, that kind of thing. And then they suffer some sort of injury. Maybe they're in a car accident, maybe there's a fall, and suddenly they're unable to do those things. And, um, you know, in, in addition to sort of the physical consequences of it, there's also the psychological aspect where they've lost community and they've lost things that um, they really enjoy doing and add, add a lot of value to their life. So if, you know, if somebody finds themselves in that situation, you know, what, what is it that they should discuss, first of all, with their doctor? And we're going to begin this conversation, um, you know, with, with, with his with what is going to be true throughout, which is everything that you do and everything that we talked about is really needs to be individualized and discussed with a medical professional first, whether it's your chiropractor, physical therapist, orthopedist, neurologist, somebody needs, you need to discuss all of these things first, but really what, what are the, you know, conversations that they, that they should, a person who's been injured should be having, you know, with somebody like you. No, absolutely. Ryan. You, you know, you hit that dead on. I mean, one of my, my biggest rules is, you know, when in doubt refer out because, you know, everybody's got their own scope of practice and, you know, what they're qualified to handle. And, you know, at the end of the day, 
you know, if, if you got into, you know, a car accident, like you said, or some kind of fall or injury, you know, the first person that you shouldn't come see is me, you know, right. I'm not, I'm not qualified to, to handle the, the medical treatment side of it, you know, especially if bones are broken and joints are injured, things like that. So, you know, starting with the doctor is critical and, you know, asking questions, especially if you're somebody who was physically active on a regular basis, and then you got hurt, uh, you know, no matter what that injury is, you know, asking what they feel is a, a reasonable amount to continue with, you know, if, if you're somebody who, you know, broke a leg, clearly you're not going to then continue to, you know, do your, your daily rowing or you know, biking or anything like that. But it doesn't mean there can't be some kind of physical activity in there during the healing process. I think that one of the biggest issues a lot of people get is, you know, they hear that they're injured and that automatically kind of severs the, the, the tie to exercise in any way, shape or form. And it's not like people are only exercising for, you know, the typical things like you know, weight loss or, you know, aesthetically pleasing things, you know, people are doing it for their mental health as well. And when that sense of, like you said, that sense of community is taken away, that, that sense of almost control over, you know, one hour of their day to help kind of stress relief is gone. It becomes really tough. And, people really struggle. And I think they don't think to ask, you know, well, what else could I do, you know, in that meantime, because even if, you know, I've had clients that have had, um, you know, they've broken legs, they are broken arms or things like that. And they, they've still come to the gym, you know, we've still worked within a, a safe, reasonable capacity, so that they don't lose that sense of community, they don't lose their, you know, just that one hour of me time, uh, and that ability to kind of de-stress while also still working towards a goal. I think when people are injured, um, a lot of the times there's the goal to heal, which is great. And that's something that they progress towards, you know, like you said, with their orthos, with their PTs, with their um, uh, chiropractors. But I think that having the ability to, you know, continue to work past that goal is also really important. I think that's a really important point for anybody listening to this, which is so often you go to the doctor and it's focused on what you can't do like don't lift more than 20 pounds or, you know, don't run or don't do this, but, you know, asking, you know, sort of turning that question around and asking your doctor, you know, what, what can I do doc? What is it that I can do? And, and getting sort of, I think both sides of that coin, you know, could be just very valuable information to somebody who, who, who is in this situation and looking to, you know, regain some uh, semblance of, of activity and strength training, um, you know, sort of like you said, yeah, if you break your leg, you're not going to run a marathon, but you know what, you, you may be able to strengthen your upper body. You, you may or Absolutely. may not be able to do core work. Um, you know, you, the, there, there are a host, there are a host of different activities that one can do, um, you know, and it, 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 it may be the kind of thing where, you know, after an accident that why, why should, I'm going to ask you the question, why should somebody consider a personal trainer after an accident, as opposed to say, you know, doing YouTube videos or just going to the gym themselves, or, you know, why is it that somebody should consider a personal trainer? Absolutely. So I would say the biggest reason for it is the same reason that you choose any sort of professional. Uh, it, that, you know, if you're looking for you know, a certain product or you're looking for something that is unique to what you are searching for, you want a professional that can also handle that. And, you know, with personal trainers that they, they 
can tailor whatever workouts are, or at least they should be able to tailor whatever certain workouts you're looking for, whatever your goals are towards your current state of being and be able to progress and regress however you need it. The, you know, the biggest challenge I, I've, I've seen with, you know, the rise of, you know, things like Peloton, not to dig it. I know you're a big Peloton guy, um, but, you know, the, these, these classes and everything are great. Absolutely. If you have no limitations or even just require very small modifications, they're great. Some of the challenge becomes when, you know, you've got major modifications that need to be made. And a lot of people don't know how to make those modifications on their own. That is why you search out a professional, right? Like if you don't know how to, you know, change the plumbing in your house, you're not just going to wing it. I mean, some people might, but, you know, you're going to look for that professional who knows how to handle the situation and how to progress it based on their skill set. And that's the, that's the same benefit that you find with a personal trainer or, you know, somebody that's very experienced. Now, if somebody, you know, does not have a, a, does not have a current personal trainer, what is it that somebody should look for? I mean, can anybody just call themselves a personal trainer? Like what, what should be the quality signals that somebody should be looking for in, in a professional in this field? Yeah. I mean, unfortunately people can just call themselves, you know, a personal trainer. Obviously there's certain licensings and certifications that go along with it. I would say that, you know, when you're going to a, you know, if say you're going to a, a box gym, you know, where, you know, they're, they're trying to get people into the gym with a lower cost. Well, okay. Like that's a sign that, you know, I'm sure there are quality trainers working there, but you know, their, their goal is to, you know, get people in, get them involved in their classes and stuff, as opposed to smaller facilities where, you know, their goal is the, the quality of the people coming in, um, you know, it, finding the right fit for you is critical. And how you start with that is you look at the background of the individuals that are going to be training, you know, are they somebody who, and obviously it's, it's hard for people to, to do this up front, but, you know, questions you can ask is, you know, are, are they going to customize programs specifically to, you know, your goals and your needs? You know, what does their educational background look like? Do they have, you know, client testimonials that you can have access to or can see, you know, I know a lot of people, uh, a lot of gyms post those things. So it's obviously easy to find out. And then just being able to sit down one-on-one and and ask the questions. I think you can tell a lot from those one-on-one interviews with people. You know, if, if you automatically feel a connection, if you, if you are getting a sense of the questions that they're asking you versus, you know, the questions that you're asking them, it's, it should be a relationship. It shouldn't be a, you know, I'm telling you how to do this. You need to follow it. That's it. Like it, it should be a give and take kind of relationship. So in at the, uh, you know, first meeting, say they decide to, to, to find a personal trainer, you know, should there be some sort of assessment or what should that look like? What should somebody anticipate generally? And again, every trainer is going to be a little different. Every gym is going to be a little bit different. But what is something that somebody should expect at their first visit. Absolutely. I think, you know, if, if you're joining a, a quality gym, you know, that is known for their, their training facilities and things like that, then yes, an assessment is a hundred percent what is going to be a part of it. You know, it may not be in that very first initial meeting. Um, but if it's not within the first two or three, I would use that as a, a red flag to, you know, maybe search somewhere else for it. Um, the assessment is probably the most critical portion outside of, you know, asking, 
background information about, you know, previous injuries and things like that. If you can't see how people are moving and the person that you're working with doesn't, you know, still tries to get you to do a movement that, you know, is contraindicated based on your current injury or, you know, what your limitations are. Well, that's a problem, right? You want, you want people to meet you where you are and it should be the same way. So an assessment should definitely be part of that first, first or second session. Um, and it should be detailed enough that they move through multiple planes of, of motion, right? So it should be an upper body, lower body, should move forward, backwards, laterally, you know, twisting some type of stability stuff. And it doesn't have to be so intensive that, you know, these people are going to be drenched in sweat afterwards, but it should be enough that the trainer can gather enough information to put together a realistic plan for the next month or so. And what is it that um, would be useful for you as a trainer to know about somebody who has been injured? Absolutely. So, you know, from personal experience, we go through what's called a park use. So it's a very detailed questionnaire that, um, you know, gives all sorts of health information. Uh, typically in my experience, I would ask if there was injuries, you know, major injuries from the past 15, 20 years, uh, you know, because we get clients from all different ages and stuff. And, you know, somebody who breaks, somebody who's 60, who breaks their ankle when they're 20, well, they may not realize all the different compensation issues that came from it. So it's important to have all that background information, but, you know, definitely previous injuries. Um, the, I would say the biggest limiting factor would be asking them, you know, are there daily tasks that seem, you know, daunting, overwhelming, or really challenging to that individual? Because it may be something as simple as, you know, taking something from a higher uh, cabinet and trying to pull that out. It's like, it, you know, you may not realize that your shoulder is hurt, but, you know, if you're constantly doing it with just your right arm because you hurt your left arm, well, that's a problem, right? We want to be able to address that. So, knowing what their daily life is also like is really important uh, information to gather. And how, how now when somebody is working out um, and say that they have been injured, how do you, you know, how do you differentiate be sort, between sort of being sore and pain and, you know, something like an exercise that you shouldn't be doing? Can you, do you have any thoughts? Absolutely. On that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, there's basics that, um, belief systems, you know, of contraindication. So it's like, if you're, if you're somebody who broke your, your shoulder or, you know, your scapula or something like that, you know, overhead pressing motions probably should be avoided until, you know, you get clearance from, uh, from the physical therapist or from the ortho, you know, if you're somebody who had recently broken their leg and they're in, you know, month three of healing, well, my guess is you're going to want to avoid any kind of heavy vertical loading on, on the legs that, you know, heavy specifically, but you know, if they're in PT and they're progressing well, then that's fine too. Basically anything that's going to directly impact above or below the joint that may have been injured, you're going to want to, you know, be very cautious and take extreme care. And if you are working with somebody and they are not doing that, well, that's another red flag for you that you may want to, you know, either communicate, Hey, this is a problem or, you know, find somewhere else to go. And it may be in-house as well. You know, there's always going to be varying degrees of, of skill set and, and knowledge base within a, a facility. Now, as far as differentiating between, you know, general soreness, legitimate pain, you know, I, I've been coaching and, and training people for a long time. And I can tell you that is person by person. 
I, I like to use the, you know, on a one to 10 scale, uh, if, you know, 10 being, you know, I, I, I couldn't possibly move. I feel like I was just hit by a bus and one is, you know, nothing. Um, I like to, you know, you make it a little unique and I take seven out of it. So it's one to 10 can't say seven, uh, because in my experience, people tend to say seven, you know, if, if something hurts or if they're sore, uh, and it's on like a little bit more severe, they'll say seven. And it's like, well, that kind of doesn't really give us great information. So by taking out seven, if they're, if they're saying it's a six, well, okay, now I know it's probably just a little bit more of muscle soreness. If they're saying it's an eight, okay, well now I know that's actually pretty severe. You know, we'll, we'll take it back up a little bit. Um, getting them to understand that, especially those who are coming from zero activity, low activity, or previous injuries, soreness is going to be a part of it. Discomfort is going to be a part of it. Moving joints through ranges of motion that they previously were not doing for long periods of time is going to cause discomfort. If it ever gets to the point where it's debilitating pain, immediate stop and you know, the professional that you're working with should know that that's an immediate stop. And, you know, one of the, one of the things our clients often get told to do are strengthening exercises. If they're going to physical therapy, they're given, you know, bands and, you know, exercises to do. Um, some of, some of the time, you know, they, they, it, I don't know, for me in exercise, it always helps me to understand the why I'm doing things. Can you talk about like the benefits of those exercises outside of PT, you know, outside of their two sessions a week when they're home, the general benefits of strength? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, besides the, you know, the process of, you know, healing a joint or potentially you know, getting, getting back to a certain strength level. I mean, just knowing that you now have the ability to regain some control over your life is, is probably the most important part of it. And, you know, control can be in tons of different ways. It can be somebody who's broken an arm and struggles to get, you know, a carton of milk out of the fridge now because of it. It's like, well, as you build up that strength, you know, simple tasks like that, they may not seem it in the moment, but those things add up over time and they become, okay, well, I can put the carton away. It's like, well, now I can carry a little bit heavier grocery bags in. And it just kind of snowballs into a confidence thing where, coming back from an injury, no matter what it is, confidence is going to be, is going to be down when you're hurt. And just having that ability to build confidence slowly and gradually over time, building strength and building health and building fitness outside of just the, you know, recommended two days of physical therapy, plus maybe some at-home exercises, you know, that that's the, that's the important part that people just don't realize actually starts to happen. You know, it's, it's one of these things where I think, you know, the, the, the mental benefits, the physical benefits, and, you know, and, and again, even if somebody's not active before an accident, um, like paradoxically and like weirdly, like that could be a real opportunity for them to, you know, gain activity and to seek out training and maybe in a way that they haven't, because I know one of the benefits that I, I gained from working with a trainer, you know, really fewfold. One is that somebody else is telling me what to do and coming up with plans that are specific to me. So I'm not just getting to the gym and saying like, well, what am I going to do? Am I going to do 10 minutes on the elliptical and then, you know, do some chest presses? Like what, what am I going to do? Having that mental burden removed is, is tremendously useful. And also having somebody who can, 
you know, show me and teach me the proper form. You know, form is so important in lifting weights um, and correct form and monitor posture and make suggestions and modifications. I just think, I think it is so valuable. And I think the, you know, the sort of mental health component, the relationship between the mind and the body is so, is so powerful that, um, you know, th this, this, this could be an opportunity for somebody who's not physically active to, to gain it. And they're there, if they do things right, and they're working with a trainer and they're working with their doctors and their physical therapists, you know, they, they may have a much better result, um, than just doing sort of one of these things, um, alone. So I think it's, I think it's, um, you know, I think it's just, the, I think it's very valuable, very, very valuable information, um, uh, you know, for anyone out there who's, who's going through something. Um, and, you know, I just, you know, from your experience in this industry, you know, there are, you know, are there like, would you say that there's like a gym and a trainer for everyone? Or is there, you know, one type of gym, you know, for somebody who may not have been to a gym, um, is there one type of gym where everybody's, you know, jacked up and dropping weights and yelling? Um, or, or are there different kinds of gyms and trainers out there? Absolutely. I mean, you're, you're even within gyms themselves, you're going to find a variety of different trainers working there. And, you know, that's on purpose and that's kind of by design for a lot of places, because, you know, every individual that comes in is also going to be different and unique and require different things. You know, I've had adults that, you know, were former athletes in, in high school and they're, they're used to that mentality of, you know, grinding hard and working hard and everything like that. And they, they want to be yelled at a little bit. And it's like, okay, well, it's like that, that's not really me. It's like, I'm, I'm going to move you off to somebody else because that's more of their personality. And then I've had people that are very, you know, very timid because it's a new experience for them. They're looking for a much softer approach. And it's like, okay, it's like that. Like I can work with that. It's like, but they may not want a male personal trainer. They may want a female trainer because that's somebody who they feel more comfortable with. So I think a good quality gym has people that can kind of fit into a bunch of different roles and be able to interact with different people. Um, you're always going to find gyms that are different focuses and, you know, making sure that you find that right one that is a good fit for you. Um, you know, the, the same person that may join a, you know, a, a CrossFit or something like that probably won't be the kind of person that wants to join a Planet Fitness or something where the intensities are two completely different um, spectrums. It doesn't mean one is better than the other, because if your goal is only to use, you know, cardio equipment or some lighter weights and, you know, not have to worry about, um, you know, routines, just kind of get in, get out, then Planet Fitness is going to be great for you. If you're looking for something that's going to be a little bit more rigorous or a little more intense, probably with a lot more instruction and hands-on, okay, well, then maybe the gym down the street is for you. Um, it's, it's a lot of research. There's a lot of information that goes into it. And, you know, I think knowledge is, is everybody's, you know, biggest, biggest skill set when it comes to finding the right gym for you. And I know most gyms, obviously people become trainers because they want to help others. So if you have questions, just ask them, you know, most, nobody's trying to hide things. If they think it's going to be a great fit for you. Perfect. If they don't, most people will be honest enough to say, Hey, you know, maybe this relationship may not work, but I have somebody, I think that'll be great for you. And it, it's just about having open and honest uh, dialogue. I think a lot of the time. So Connor, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do so? 
So I'm on, uh, you know, I have my own personal website, which is uh, greenlightsportsllc.com. Uh, and then I'm on all social media. So, you know, Facebook, Instagram, um, but even just my, you know, my email, which, uh, you know, make sure that we, we get that attached, but it's uh, coach green at greenlightsportllc.com. Uh, I'm responding all day. You know, it, I would say maybe nine o'clock at night would be when I stop, but you know, 7am through 9pm I'm, I'm, I'm readily available. And it, even if it's just questions about how to find the right place for you, even if it's not with me, you know, I, I'm, I'm here to help people. I'm not here to, you know, deceive or put people in the wrong place. I, w- I want people to be successful at no matter what they try. So, you know, that'd be the best way. Well, Connor, thank you so much. And I think this has been a really uh, potentially valuable uh, discussion for somebody who has suffered some sort of injury and maybe it may give them, it may give them some hope and some options that they, you know, had not considered. We'll put links to Connor, um, wherever it is that you're watching and hearing this, there'll be links in the comments or uh, the description of this. And Connor, thank you. Thank you so much for, uh, for your time. You've been listening to Connecticut personal injury attorney, Ryan McKean, giving you straight talk and answering your questions about Connecticut personal injury law. It's serious stuff. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find Ryan on Twitter at Ryan McKean, on Facebook at CT Trial Firm, on LinkedIn at Ryan McKean, and on Instagram at CT Injury Lawyer. Till next time.